0: Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint
1: Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Jonathan Steinberg, welcome back to the Lisa Wexler Show. What year, what, how long have you been serving in our legislature now? What, what year are you? The 11th year, the 12th, where are you?
1: Well, it's good talking with you, Lisa. Yeah, it's longer than even I thought it would be. Uh, this will be my thirteenth year. Wow, term in the legislature.
0: You know that makes I, you I a veteran.
1: About eighty. Yeah, yeah, I never thought I'd be quite this veteran. I only have about eighty-five percent of Westport. So. Oh really?
0: Okay.
1: Uh, I, I Oh, that's right, Dominic.
0: Dominic. Uh, Dominic Dominique
1: Johnson. Yes. Johnson. Westport's yes. grown. Westport's up at about twenty-eight thousand. So. It's a bit bigger than a, than a, a legislative district.
0: So, John, first of all, Jonathan, congratulations on getting this new post. You've been interested in energy and technology for a really long time.
1: Yes, I've served on the committee since I got in the legislature. Uh, I know I'm an exception. Uh, most legislators run as fast as they can away from the e- Energy and Technology <laughs> Committee because it's really complicated stuff. There's a lot of lobbying. There's a lot of complexity, acronyms, data. Uh, It's not for everybody, but uh, for whatever reason, I've always gravitated towards it, and I think it's critically important policy for the state of Connecticut, uh, for its citizens, and for our economy.
0: We've had recently Christine Conley on from Groton, who I know is proposing that the legislature be able to do an up-or-down vote on electricity rate hikes, uh, this, of course, in the context of tremendous concern about how expensive it is for us to heat our homes here and put the lights on. What do you think about that particular piece of legislation? Is that likely to get a vote out of committee? Well,
1: uh, my, my co-chair, Senator Norm Neumann, and I uh, are on the record as saying that we want to discuss every potential idea because that's what we need to do at a point where we're really not only in a short-term crisis, we're in a long-term transition away from fossil fuels, towards renewables. And during this transition, there will be a lot of challenges, a lot of pressures. So an idea like this is very well-intentioned, and it gives uh, a sense of control to the legislature that we don't have currently. Unfortunately, in my view, it's, it's impractical from an implementation standpoint. It would create terrible discontinuities for both the utilities and for Pura and for DEEP. Uh, I, I don't think it's really the, the, the answer we're looking for, but I'm not going to prejudge uh, until we've had that conversation.
0: So let's talk about answers and restructuring. I'm on the record very often as being extremely frustrated and unhappy with the monopolistic deregulation that Connecticut set up in handing Eversource and Avant Grid, which owns UI, and other companies. But those are the two big ones I'm thinking of in our community handing them this ability to do business and generate profit without extracting from them the, the basics in, in conservation, in long-term capital improvement, because they are thinking about the shareholder as their ultimate audience, as the ultimate person they have to please, as opposed to the rate payer. And I don't think that this can be solved in the legislature unless you fundamentally restructure how we get electricity. What do you think about that?
1: Well, you, you raised the, really the central subject here, which is what is the role of the legislature versus the agencies that have purview? And it also touches on the bigger issue, which is, you know, Connecticut can't, Connecticut can't really plan out its energy future on its own. We are part of the region. People maybe not be familiar. There's an organization called ISO New England, which is really responsible for what we call the capacity market, the supply of energy, and they're under uh, a national uh, organization called FERC. So you can see that the power to bring about a change is distributed among a number of players, and uh, our, our effectiveness in changing the calculus for Connecticut ratepayers depends upon not only our ability to figure out our own house but to work with other states and with these organizations to change the way in which we acquire energy and the way in which we distribute it. And that's, that's something which people aren't even paying as much attention to right now. We're all focused on the generation part of our bill because that part went up a lot, mainly because of the increase in natural gas prices. But we also have a, a big crisis when it comes to the electric grid and transmission networks, which we need to build out if we're going to access all this renewable energy And give us the resilience we all desire. So that part of the bill is actually uh, going up regularly, whereas this generation piece was kind of a a spike, a, a blip. And we're hoping it might go down eventually because the war in Ukraine will hopefully end and some of the other supply line pressures will end. But fundamentally, the problem is we don't have a lot of extra supply. We're not building out more natural gas lines. The offshore wind we're counting on hasn't arrived yet, thanks to the Trump administration slowing down the permitting process for four years. Uh, So we're in this sort of uh, uh, zone in between uh, where where we've been and where we're going, where we don't have a lot of flexibility. And I know that's tremendously frustrating for consumers who expect dramatic action and the cavalry to ride in, and that's probably not going to happen.
0: Well, let's talk about those options. So first of all, what I'm hearing is we're talking with Representative Jonathan Steinberg that it is unlikely that the legislature is going to move to fundamentally restructure the people who bill us for electricity. Is that true?
1: Well, you know, you also alluded to the fact that we have a, a rather unusual structure in our state where we had used to have traditional utilities that were responsible for the entire gamut uh, acquiring the energy and distributing it. At, at, a, at a point uh, going back almost uh, 30 years, we decided to decouple and take utilities out of the generation business. To your point, we still allow them to be for-profit companies, which is really somewhat outside the traditional utility it is. structure.
0: Yes, it is.
1: Um, and uh, we may have had, ended up with the worst of both worlds. Now, however, I will say that the history of the past 28, 30 years – has been generally good in terms of uh, their ability to procure energy fairly efficiently. And we put real restrictions on them in terms of when and how much energy they can acquire at any given time. And whereas they've been doing fairly well with that up until last year, the ramping up of the natural gas prices – Uh, meant that eventually they were going to be making purchases that were much more expensive. And it seemed to hit us all at once. If you look at some other states in New England, they've been seeing their rates go up over the past year, whereas ours have been flat. Uh, The big jump that we're experiencing is because we didn't have any bump last year. So I know that makes it even more uh, frustrating for people to see such a large increase, Uh, but it's also a reflection of the fact that for the most part, They've been acquiring energy pretty efficiently, and I should yeah, also add but, they don't make wait, a real but, profit on this. They don't yeah, make but, a profit. This is a pass-through. Yeah, them. but you know, they you know,
0: with. With all due respect, Representative Steinberg, I'm not just getting at the fact that we've had a rate increase. I'm talking about frustration with the management altogether. During East a lot of people didn't have power. So what did they do afterwards? They blamed it on all the trees and they decided that they're going to cut down 5,400 miles worth of trees in Connecticut because that's their problem. Instead of looking globally and saying, yeah, we may have to cut down some trees. We may have had deferred maintenance. That may be part of it. But why don't we bury some underground lines. You never hear about that. I think there's a frustration with Eversource, not merely because of the amount of money they charge us, but the way they're managing these resources.
1: Well, I think you raise a good point. For many years, they were negligent, in my view, in terms of their management of trees in the areas where we were most vulnerable. And we have to acknowledge Connecticut is a heavily treed state. We're always going to have this issue. And the prospect of undergrounding wires at, a, you know, like a million dollars per mile is, is not going to work on a mass level all over the state. Though it makes a lot of sense for, you know, some of the main uh, electrical cables, what we call the backbone lines. I, I think they are looking at undergrounding some of those for greater security and resilience sake. But we can't expect them to underground lines all over the place because they would end up charging us for it and it would be exorbitant. So we're going to have to live with tree management. Interestingly, both the Energy Committee and the Environment Committee have bills this year to talk about tree management, and not just of uh, of the utilities, but also of DOT, which has been involved in their right-of-ways in in slaughtering trees. Slaughtering trees. That's
0: a good word for it. Well, we have to have that conversation because they're very connected, energy and technology and the environment. And that brings me, Jonathan Steinberg, to what you were just alluding to. So let's just talk about the sources of energy. Each There's no perfect solution except maybe the new fusion, but we don't know. We haven't gotten there yet. It hasn't actually been invented or used. It's not happening tomorrow. Not happening tomorrow. Now, let's talk about wind for a minute because uh, some people look at wind as a great panacea. Personally, I don't. Um, because I'm afraid of the disruption of the marine mammals, and I don't think that we have assembled enough evidence to know whether or not we're really hurting these creatures that navigate via their own sonar and sound. Um, We are rushing to windify the entire Northeast Corridor in a way that has never happened before in history. Are we really certain, are we really certain that we're not going to damage a very fragile marine Uh, ecosystem right now? I mean, shouldn't we be proceeding more slowly? That's my
1: point. I would say we are are proceeding at an appropriately deliberate pace. And I I should point out that the United States is almost a generation behind Europe, for example, in the development of offshore wind, whereas they have tremendous experience with the uh, mapping out the design, the execution, dealing with uh, local interests, whether it's fishermen or um, uh, uh, bird migration paths, or uh, all these different things. There's a, a ton of experience out there, and, and fortunately the United States will benefit benefit from the, uh, Europe's experience. So I think we're following the right path. I think engagement of all the parties is critical. I think that the developers in this space get that and understand that and work towards that. I wouldn't suggest other than we should be eternally vigilant and making sure of these things, but there's a lot of strategy going into where you place these, how you bring the, uh, where you place the cables to bring the power on shore. Um, I, I think we're, we're moving at, 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 if anything, a slightly slower pace than we need. And uh, offshore wind is gonna be a significant component of our energy future. So yes, the environmental concerns should remain uh, in the forefront, but I do believe we are uh, taking advantage of the learning Uh, That's taking place around the world, and that the development in the Northeast will be appropriate. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. We've been spending a lot of time and energy. Jonathan, but I would be remiss if I didn't talk with you a little bit, and I am really on top of this, about open AI and chat GPT and how unbelievably transformative it is, and how at the same time how scary this technology is. Have you been following all the different ways in which various commentators have spoken about this? And I, I specifically want to ask you, Jonathan, because I know you're very into tech. Um, I read an op ed A few days ago, that stopped me in my tracks because it said that the open AI technology, which has the ability to generate written content for people that isn't actually from people, can have a very damaging effect on democracy because it can persuade legislators, and it was specifically talking about people in your position that X amount of people are for or against a certain topic when in fact they're not, and that you would have no way of knowing whether or not the materials you're getting actually represent a true constituency of human beings who are for or against something or represent one person who has figured out a way to generate thousands and thousands of letters on a topic. What do you think about that?
1: You know, when I was a kid, particularly in middle school, I loved science fiction, and, and all mm. the things that they portended would be part of our future. And certainly AI was always going to be a part of that. And then you've got all the futuristic and dystopian novels and movies that talk mm-hmm. about what happens when mankind, humankind loses control over these kind of things. Yes. It's scary because it, it's very hard to really fully project the implications of some of these innovations. And, uh, you know, I don't even know where to begin to, to right? express uh, where I hope is that there's some oversight of all this. And we just don't go off the deep end without somebody in government uh, being in charge. You know, you mentioned that we all forget about the technology part of energy and technology because we're so, so focused on on electricity. Um, but, you know, it, it's also true that it gets shorter shrift in most states because, a federal preemption. The feds have great control over all these kind of technologies and broadband and the like, and local legislatures find it difficult to legislate on their own with some of these broader issues. So to your point, other than sort of following along with it in the media as you do and trying to understand some of the more esoteric, uh, you know, papers on the subject, um, you know, I'm just sort of holding on my hat and hoping that, uh, Before some of these things become broad scale, uh, somebody does an evaluation about what the risks are.
0: No, it's already done. Let me tell you, I have a cousin who uh, goes to a prominent university, and he's a very close cousin of mine, my first cousin's son. And he already told me yesterday, because we've been following this together since mid-December when it first came out. He said to me, Lisa, I just pledged at a frat, and I was asked to come up with a jingle and a slogan. And I went on AI, and I did it in two minutes. So I called him a cheater. Done. Forget about Google. Forget about your own creativity. Done. Done. It's, it's over. The Pandora's box is over. There's not going to be a professor right now, not right now, who's going to understand whether or not the written word that they receive from a student is actually their own, unless it's written too well. I've been reading some professors' essays who say, I know this kid couldn't have done it. it the grammar was too good. But other than that... Uh, unless you know a particular kid already can't do the work. They're never going to be able to sift out what's real and what's not real. I, I developed a new slogan for the show from AI, Jonathan. I went on AI, I went on Open AI with my friend who's a genius who taught me how to use it. And she asked me what my show was about. I said, you know, that's such a hard question for me. How do I know what my show was about? And I started to tell her all the things I'm actually interested in. This took three minutes. She types them into the Open AI, and she says... What should be the slogan for this show? And I'm on the air, 16 years, and AI came up with it better than I ever could, empowering listeners to make a difference. And AI wrote one step at a time, and I changed it to one conversation at a time, empowering listeners to make a difference, one conversation at a time. And then I asked AI whether or not I had to attribute that because, God forbid, I should plagiarize. I didn't want to plagiarize anybody else. And they wrote, oh, no, this is artificial learning. You do not have to attribute this to anyone. This is original content. Done and done. Jonathan, it's over. It's over. You want to write a speech? Opening day? You know, any place you're going? Just ask AI to write it for you. Give them a topic sentence, and you're there. You have to tweak it with three words. Forget about Google. Well, you know, what it's you over. just
1: said, Lisa, is, first of all, you're pleased with the result of the AI. So Very. it's actually adding value in some Very. ways. Very. But, you know, and you also mentioned the whole education. Uh, Unbelievable. Atmosphere. Where, where students no longer go to classes, they do everything online, they don't actually see their That's professors, right. what kind right. of relationship would you have? How would the professor know one way or the other? whether uh, That's it true. Themselves. Good point. So we have a crisis in education. The whole concept of what college ought to be, that, you know, you know, on one hand, it's so expensive for most people that it seems to make a lot more sense to take online courses. But what do you give up in order to, to get that degree online? Uh, these are questions we should be asking ourselves. Fortunately, they don't fall under the energy and technology.
0: No, but the technology piece, I think you're just going to have to keep a really open eye about AI. I mean, I really think it's the, it's the first transformative thing since the iPhone. It's it, it's accelerating human capacity and achievement, but on the other hand, cutting out the necessity of learning necessarily how to write, just like Microsoft cut out the need to be able to spell And a calculator, arguably, the need to be able to do arithmetic. Now we've got AI that cut out the middleman of needing to truly learn how to write a paragraph. You're going to see what I mean. It's extraordinary.
1: Well, you know, in a world where we don't write long letters to one another and and send them by post, we send people texts or tweets. Mm -hmm. Yes, all those things are (laughs) affecting our ability to communicate and makes us uh, question the importance uh, of grammar and syntax and good language. Does that matter to most people in in, in younger generations now?
0: So let me ask you, Jonathan Steinberg, going back to energy and technology, and specifically energy, you said that wind is on its way, and you think we are proceeding deliberately, but it will be here. Uh, We'll take some
1: time. Same with solar. Both these things need to be ramped up if we're going to get to the other side.
0: Well, what about conservation? Don't you think that's something that we don't really talk enough about? And I'll give you an example. What about all the needless lighting of our night skies in commercial buildings, even on streetscapes? I had an expert on, of the International Dark Sky Association, the leader of the Connecticut chapter, a guy by the name of Leo Smith, very smart guy, who talked about the difference in illumination on our traffic lights and street poles and the ways in which we could conserve and didn't need to light as much. Is anybody taking a close look at an energy audit of the wasted electricity in Connecticut?
1: You know, when I first came into the legislature, and I was first on the Energy Committee in 2011, we passed this landmark legislation that created deep out of DEP and did a lot of other things. And I was fortunate as a freshman to get to co-write a section that became lead by example, which... uh, obliged all state building, buildings to do energy audits and figure ways that they could cut energy costs. I mean, mm. the easy things like light bulbs, but also boilers and, and uh, uh, insulation and sure. all those kinds of things. And it saved the state millions and millions of dollars every year. And we made it available for municipalities as a turnkey operation as well. You're absolutely spun on in conservation. You know, here I am sitting in an office at the Capitol that's like it's 74 degrees. There's no excuse for that. Right. It should be in the, right. in, in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, you know, just think of all the energy we could save that we did some practical things.
0: Practical. Not just
1: changing out light bulbs. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things that we've been preaching to people in that they may not be able to control their energy rates, but they could control their energy consumption by following through on some very basic energy efficiency measures, getting an audit done, blowing in insulation, replacing windows. Uh, you know, I just went from uh, uh, an oil heated boiler to heat pumps um, mm. and, uh, and improved the shell so the, uh, of the house so that it's, it's a sealed envelope and is much more efficient. Not everybody's in the position to do that, but those kind of investments bring benefits forever. And we have an energy efficiency fund, which is highly utilized and is paid for by ratepayers. Right we actually have a bill this year to see if we need to supplement that, particularly w- with the way things are right now. Uh, with additional uh, taxpayer money to get it, get some out of the budget. Energy efficiency is the best answer because it's not using energy. And right. that way you're indifferent to the actual rate. So you're, you're spot on. That's something that we're emphasizing quite a bit. We want people to uh, look into all the different incentives there are out there to uh, make improvements to their home. And we'd like landlords to do the same for their tenants. And certainly commercial buildings, government buildings, There's a lot of upside. There's a lot of energy savings. in
0: those Yeah, I think there's a lot we could do. Jonathan Steinberg, thank you so much for coming on the show. We'll be following your bills. If there's anyone in particular that you want to be discussing as it reaches committee or comes out of committee, uh, let us know, and we'll put you on again so you can educate us.
1: I look forward to the next meeting, Lisa. Thank Thank you you so
0: much. Jonathan Steinberg, Westport Representative, State Legislature Chair of Energy and Technology on the Lisa Wexler Show.